Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. If you had your Bible with you, you could turn to the book of Acts, the 26th chapter, and beginning with the 12th verse. Now the Apostle Paul is before his king and trying to make a defense for being the person that he is. And he's given a testimony to the king. So this is what he has to say. He says, for this purpose, that I went to Damascus with the authority and order from the chief priest. It was on the road at midday, your majesty, that I saw a light much brighter than the sun shining from the sky around me and the men traveling with me. All of us fell to the ground, and I heard a voice say to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You hurt yourself by hitting back like an ox kicking against its owner's stick. Who are you, Lord, I asked, and the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. But get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant. You are to tell others what you have seen of me today and what I will show you in the future. I will save you from the people of Israel and from the Gentiles whom I will send you. You are to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that through their faith in me they will have their sins forgiven and receive their place among the chosen people of God. And so, King Agrippa, I did not disobey the vision I had from heaven, first in Damascus and then in Jerusalem and then in the whole country of Judea and among the Gentiles. I preached that they must repent of their sins and turn to God and do the things that would show They have repented. Lord, help us to understand what the Apostle Paul is telling us about a way to live today. The light from heaven. We celebrate this most sacred time of the year with a festival of lights. My goodness, Christmas time, it is so beautiful and so so beautiful because of the great uh, myriads of lights that people have and the different uh, designs, shapes, forms, and so forth and so on. There are certain streets here in this city uh, that I think they must give a prize for the one who has the best uh, lighted home and front yard. And, and every year I make it my business to be in that community and drive down those streets and, and just to look at the beautiful decoration. They're so beautiful and it's just wonderful and it's just delightful just delightful to me to see uh, the different beautiful designs that can be brought forth with light. It just, just makes all the difference in the world. Now, I was at a place not too long ago, and somebody gave, I think it was either 50 or $60 for an old antique glass lamp. Now, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. And I thought that person was nuts for doing it because I had to grow up with those things. And the kind of light that they gave you had to strike a match to see if they were burned. You know? And you had to, just enough light for you to stumble around in the house and nearly kid yourself, but not enough light really to see by. I never did like them, don't like them today, and 
probably will die that way because I just like plenty of life. But we live in a society today that has made use of lights as no other society upon the face of the earth had. We can really say that we're well lighted in a fashion. And yet it's sort of a paradox, is it not, that in this time of great illumination, our souls are somewhat darkened. The great, great masses of our people live with a, with a darkened soul. And yet we are told if we would listen, uh, that is no need for any person to walk around in the shadows or in gloom, that God has given to us an eternal light, given to us an eternal light. There was a great Baptist preacher out in the West years ago that, uh, because of age, retired. And his son was a very capable young man, and a very brilliant young man took over the pulpit and uh, began to, uh, the church called him as their minister. And, and some of the people hadn't been going to church for a while, went to church on that Sunday, you know how that is, they went on the Sunday to see the new preacher and, and to hear what he had to say. And, and so after the sermon was over and, and so some of the people were asked, well, what do, what do you think? And, and one fellow spoke up and said, well, he said the same old story. It's just the same old story, as if to say, well, I don't intend to return again because it's just the same old story. But you know, dear friends, when you stop to think about it, wouldn't it be tragic if it were not the same old story? I guess the greatest compliment that man could pass on his new preacher was uh, that he was telling the same old story. You see, we only have one story to say. Paul has said it here. Outside of salvation, what do we have to say? Outside of the Lord Jesus Christ being our Savior and our Lord, what do we have to say? It's, a, it's the same old, same old story. Maybe we say it in a little different way, uh, but basically it's the very same thing. Now this is the thing that the Apostle Paul ran into. He was a very cruel man, but a very positive man, and he thought he was doing, I'm quite sure, that what was right. And you know, before he gets to King Agrippa, and before he has this great experience on the Damascus Road, that he was out searching for people that he could kill and he could beat and that he could lock up and put in prison. In fact, he reminded the king that he was traveling under orders from the highest within the land, and that is from the temple priests, and they had commissioned him to go out and track down these uh, new followers of Christ and do whatever he needed to do to see uh, that they would come to no good end. And that's exactly what uh, he was doing. And then on that day that he was on the Damascus Road, uh, something happened to him. And he described it before King Agrippa and said, as I like it from the King James where it says, a light from heaven fell on me. A light from heaven. A light from heaven. Now, I really just want to say three things about that light from heaven. And I take it from what it was able to do to Paul and what Paul was trying to communicate to King Agrippa what this light from heaven was able to do and what it could do. I don't care what you call this light of heaven, whether you call it the Holy Spirit or, or the Lord Jesus Christ or Spirit of Christ, whatever it is, it comes out the same way again. And I would like to think of it as the Holy Spirit illuminating the life of the Apostle Paul. And this is the thing that happened to this man. What did this light really do uh, to the uh, Apostle Paul? You know, I doubt whether we can appreciate the story of lights like we ought to. Uh, the story of how this chain of events came to pass to make lights as we enjoy today uh, possible. started uh, in a fortress and had something to do with cannonballs and 
and gunpowder and had something to do with battlefield and something to do with the surveying of Scotland. You know, the surveyors were because of a battle and the English people thought that they needed to have uh, a better map of that part of the world so that they could defend it properly. A commissioned uh, group to go out and survey it. Well, they ran up into the mountains, found out that in the mountains, that smog and everything wasn't smog, but the uh, vapor and whatever it is uh, off of that low-lying country would come up into the mountains and they couldn't see from one peak to the other. And so they were stumped until a man came up with a light, the limelight. Now, it made its way into stage shows, and there's where we get that bio word, standing in the limelight. Well, it was used to survey with, to start with, as a reflection on a mountain peak. They could then sight their instruments into that uh, light, that reflected light, and be able to see. And on to the world was never the same after Edison had brought forth his light bulb. A light, what is it able to do? What is this light from heaven able to do for us? First thing I would say, it can clear your heart up. It can burn the hate right out of your heart. And that's exactly what it ought to do. You see, the Apostle Paul had a terrific problem. He had a hard problem. He had a bad problem, really. It was very difficult to deal with. And that is, with all the, uh, the feelings that the Apostle Paul had, he really hated these new people that uh, were coming into existence, said that they had met the Messiah, and that they uh, were paying allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he hated them so much that you remember, by his own testimony, he said that he stood and consented to a young man's death by the name of Stephen and held the coats of those who stoned him to death. Paul had a problem with hate. Well, that's not too hard for us to have a problem with. I remember, oh, I can remember lots of things about hate and what people have done with it and how it destroyed and hurt them. But I remember one, uh, one time a lady that... Uh, and she said she hated her husband. And she said that she convinced me that she did the way she said. She can say that she hated him in the most positive way that I've ever heard anyone to say that they hated anyone. She convinced me that she hated him. And when she said it, you could almost feel things just, just burning and curling up, you know. She could say it with, with such power and with such conviction. And then within with three or four months, something happened to her. And she was gloriously saved. There's light from heaven. She ran into it too. And it illuminated her life. And I remember she saying to me, as I asked her one day about this business of hate, and she said, hate. She says, I don't hate anything or anyone. She says, I don't hate him anymore. And then I think for the first time she heard herself begin to say that, that she didn't hate anyone or anything. And she stopped. And she says, what has happened to me? And then in the, almost the same breath, she said, but isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? Dear friends, let me say to you that there's one thing that you cannot afford, and that is you cannot afford to care with you hate. If you have any ill will toward any person upon the face of this earth, let me tell you the first thing that you ought to do today before the sun goes down, do what you need to do to right it, to clear it from your heart and your soul. I would step so close to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, that uh, this hate would be burnt uh, from, uh, from my heart and my soul. Oh, the tragedy of it is for families to be torn because of misunderstanding 
and because they dislike and hate one another, step close to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what happened to the Apostle Paul can happen to you. And it can happen in such a way that it can, I don't care what the situation is, or how hard, how bad, how cruel, or what it is. It is only the Lord Jesus Christ can do for you what needs to be done. Or the Holy Spirit, whichever way you want to slice it, comes out the same. Call him the Holy Spirit. Come in within your heart and your soul with such power and with such light that he can burn away the hate that is there. And notice something about this situation. When, when Jesus appeared to the Apostle Paul in this radiant light, he makes a peculiar statement to him and says, Paul, who are you persecuting in the sense? And who are you after? And Paul, if he answered up, he said, well, I'm after those people out there, you know. I'm after them. And Jesus revealed to him, well, Paul, they're not the ones that you're really, you're really persecuting. You're persecuting me. Now, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? We will pick out some person and they will be the object of our hate and our dislike. And all the while, down underneath of every bit of it, it might be that we're in contention, not with another human being, but we're in contention with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a fact. And one worthy of your consideration. Who are you persecuting, Paul, while you're persecuting me, the Lord? Why do you do this damage to yourself? Why do you do this damage to yourself, Paul? It's like a dumb animal kicking against the stick that the driver uses to move the cattle along. Well, who are you hurting? The only one that you're hurting is yourself and me. According to the beloved disciple John, the greatest sign of a discipleship is the spirit of love that can abide in these hearts and souls of us. I would also say uh, that the greatest sign of Satan is hate. Wherever you find it, it comes out the same way. Ah, but this is Christmas, and we have the revelation of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have a parking place in his kingdom, and that we have his eternal love. And they strive for ill will, whether it be in family, friends, loved ones, or whatever, wherever you might find it, ought to be gone forever. When Paul got up from the road, he found that his heart had been purged of all of the hate that was there. Secondly, uh, this light gave him a sense of security. Now, most of us can identify with that immediately. How many of you, after dark, go around in a dim-lit house, or do you light the situation up? They, they talk about lighting the security around the building while you leave your lights on. We use, we use lights. We can identify with this. I remember a little couple that were having a problem. In fact, I had the privilege of marrying them. And after a while, they ran into a little problem together, trying to adjust one to the other. And the problem was that the young lady liked to leave every light on in the house. In fact, she just left the bedroom light on when she went to sleep. And the husband, he liked to sleep in the dark, so he'd turn out every light. He went around, turned out everything that she'd turn on. You know, well, you can know that. It's going to create a little friction there. Well, they, they had a problem, and they... They needed to talk about it. And I discovered the strangest thing that you'd ever want to hear. Strange to me. It was interesting, really. Well, what was it about this that this little gal wanted to leave the lights on? And why didn't want to be in the dark? Just, we knew it was some type of security, but why? 
The question was why. And then we found that she was born about eight weeks before she should have been. She was a premature. And in those days, they put these babies, and they still do, in incubators, little things, you know, and left the light burning all the time. And she had, in those eight weeks, she had identified with that light, being part of her sense of well-being, her mother, so to speak. And then when she understood that, well, she could afford to leave the lights off. But I am talking to you about a sense of security. This light will give to you a sense of security. Now, dear friends, it doesn't make any difference what I think or what you think, but look what really happened to the Apostle Paul. One thing that gave him a sense of security more than any other thing was this light from heaven. You rest assured when he was standing before King Agrippa and his court, pleading in a sense for his life, what is the one thing that the Apostle Paul mentions to the king that he could be sure of, that he knew about, and he knew it was so because he had experienced it, and that was this light from heaven. doesn't make any difference what the king says and what the court says. I know what I know that I know because I have experienced it. I've been there. I know that this is so. It gives to us a sense of security like you wouldn't believe. Well, it's no wonder the old apostle Paul could say that I know what I know in the way that he said it. He said, I know that in all things God works together for good to them that love the Lord. I know and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What day, Paul, did you make your commitment? The light from heaven. That's when it was. How could I forget it? My whole inner being was illuminated. It gives to us a sense of security. You know, I like another thing that Jesus said to Paul in a sense. Not only a sense of security, but look how he spells it out to him. He said in a sense that I'm going to give to you the friends that I want you to have. How many of you feel that you've got some friends given of the Lord? And how many of you feel that you've got some friends given of the devil? Or somebody else besides the Lord? Look at that. Well, I declare, Jesus is saying that, Paul, if you will put me in charge of your life and commit yourself to me, that I'm going to lead you precisely where I want to lead you. And I'm going to give to you the friends that I want you to have. And I'm going to deliver you from the Jewish people that hate you. And I'm going to deliver you from the Gentiles. Well, now, Lord, you didn't do too good a job. They beat up on two or three times. But the truth of it is, God was in charge. And Paul knew that he was in charge. Wherever you find Paul, he is at ease. Whether it be in the jail or whether it be tied to the post being beaten. I'm talking about security. He knew that he meant something to the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew that he was somebody. And by this security and with this security, if people got in his way, he moved around them and went on about his business. And he learned a wonderful truth about life. He knew that he was always in the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, friends, Paul doesn't have anything that you and I don't have this morning. He doesn't have one thing that you and I do not have. We, too, should know that in all things God works together for good to them that love the Lord. And we should know 
as right now as Paul did, I know and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. My friend, I know that. I know that. Now you think about this. You see, God said he was going to take him where he wanted to take him. He was going to deliver him. He's going to give him a friend. Now how would you like to be a person, be numbered among those who abused the apostle Paul? Oh, my God. If there is something that I want to stay clear of, woe unto you that caused one of these little ones to stumble. And I would add one thing to it. Woe unto you that caused one of God's children to suffer knowingly. Oh, now we, in our living together, of course, as a family of God, that we sometimes cause pain and agony to, to one another, but it's never an intention, never an intentional type of thing. We, we don't believe that. We don't think that way. We, we have to get on with our business, but we... And we want to tell one another where we agree and where we disagree, but it's never the intention of one of us to cause pain. How would you like to be standing in the shoes of one of those who stood against the Apostle Paul? All the power of the kingdom of God, somewhere, someplace, somehow, some way, will be released in destruction to those people. That's the way that it is. Oh, let us be careful how we place a hand on one another, dear friend. Because if there be a God somewhere, someplace, we will have to answer for that deed. Just as sure as I'm standing before you this morning. Oh, but here's a life that can give you security. Here's a life that can burn out the, from your heart any hate that is there and free you to be a living, creative, dynamic person that you need to be today, to close with. And old Paul got up from that light that had knocked him down, and in that light, Paul was able to see as he had never been able to see before. This is the light that makes things beautiful, absolutely, fantastically so. This is the light that makes life interesting, like you wouldn't believe. This is the light that will help you to see where you're going to do what you need to do in the most luminous way that you can ever dream of. No doubt, no doubt about it at all. I know what I know. I can see what I can see. I, I, I know this is that clear. Now, not everything may be so clear, but there are those things that are important that are the basics of your life that you will know that you know that you know because the light has come and you can see almost into eternity. I close with this. I can't tell the story completely exactly how it happened, uh, but this is my interpretation of it. There was the man that I knew as Sarge. He was a first sergeant and had the appearance of being a typical first sergeant. He came to church and never been to church too often before. He had spent about 30-some years in the army being a soldier. And he said, uh, Preacher, something's happened to me. He said, um, I want to be baptized and received into the church. Now, you've got to understand that this is a man past his youth. He said, before I do, though, be baptized and received into the church, he says, I see and I know what I, I need to do that I have been negligent about. He says, I, I want to bring my wife and my three daughters. He says, I have an old mother that lives close to me, and uh, she's never been baptized either. And says, I, I want to get her and 
and bring her to church. And, and that's precisely what he did. And he brought his little family to church. And I remember the Sunday so well that I received that family and that old mother, some 70 years of age, into the church. And I baptized him and his wife and his three daughters and, and this grandmother. There they were at the altar. Oh, sorry, there's something that's happened to me. Well, that's what Paul was saying. The light from heaven has fallen on me. And I see more clearly today than I've ever been able to see before. I know that I need to get right with the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that I need to bring my family and give them the leadership in the church that they need so that they can accept Christ as their Savior. And I'm going out and I'm going to get that mother of mine. And I'm going to bring her ever to commit her heart and her soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the light from heaven. It worked in the day of the Apostle Paul. It worked in the heart of old Sarge. And it worked in the heart of us today. It's one and the same. It's no different. It's the same way. Because all we have to do if we're in doubt about it is step just a little closer in order that we might be able to have the light to fall upon you and me too. Oh, our Father, help us then that we, knowing what we know about this light, that we might put ourselves in a position where this light can be ours today too. For we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 